I'm Andy. And I'm Chris. I'm Chris. Chris. And we're the Reservoir Geeks. And we have a good friend named uh, Dr. Daniel Samora, but we call him just I Dan. think he's below us. Is he below Andy? Not intellectually. <laughs> yeah, we uh, have our good friend Danny here. Danny is an infectious diseases doctor up in Seattle where all this uh, kicked off. Not blaming Danny for it, though. <laughs> uh, so, Danny, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. I'm, <clears throat> so, I'm, I'm Danny Zamora. Uh, you know, I've Yes, I'm an infectious diseases fellow right now in a in the uh, fellowship here at the University of Washington in Seattle. Uh, it's my third year of fellowship. It's my last year, so in July I should be graduating to attending level uh, infectious diseases doctor. Although technically, I am able to do to see patients on my own in terms of infectious disease stuff. But uh, yeah, and. Before that, I went to I did residency at uh, UT Southwestern in, in Dallas, Texas, where I met you two knuckleheads uh, <laughs> via my wife, uh, Casey. And um, we're all know. med school dropouts. <laughs> I'm a junior college dropout. <laughs> nice. I also experimented at junior college. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was there for three years, and uh, honestly, uh, I mean, I, I, I've been back recently, I mean, uh, just to come, come and visit sometimes, and things have changed a lot over there, but uh, yeah, before that, I, I went, uh, I lived in Arizona, I did medical school in Tucson, Arizona, and undergrad in Tucson, Arizona at the University of Arizona, uh, I'm, I'm pro you could say I'm, a, I'm an Arizonan at heart. I've been there since, uh, you know, I was like two years old, but, uh, you know, but yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Okay. Uh, so you're, in and you're also really cool and we like you a lot. Yeah, that, that too. I like that. That's nice. <laughs> I'm going to, I mean, we, if, if you could put that at the end of the MD, like real cool guy. Cool yeah. Real guy. Cool. CG. CG. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so so you're in Seattle now, uh, and Andy said it's kind of where everything kicked off. Um, what what was your day to day before all this started? Like, what did what did you do daily? Yeah, um, so I'm. It's again my third year of fellowship. I'm I am doing a lot of research these days. Uh, I focus mainly on uh, viral infections in uh, immunocompromised patients, um, and 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 specifically. The patients that have actually undergone uh, bone marrow transplants, um, so they've gotten all this chemotherapy, they've gotten this uh, these these transplants, and they're very uh, very prone to infections. Um, so yeah, doing research, uh, kind of more bench based or lab based, and uh, occasionally I would still go and and see patients. I have I have my own clinic at the the bone marrow transplant uh, hospital, and. Um, I, I occasionally see patients within the hospital on the inpatient service too. So this is pretty much right in your wheelhouse. Like when all this started, like this directly affected your, I guess, patients, the people that you see normally. Yeah, we were, we were pretty concerned over here. You know, it, it, um, they're the most at one of the most at risk populations uh, for bad outcomes for this infection. And um, so we, we acted fast uh, and, uh, we we tried to 
put all these precautions in place for patients, we, you know, uh, bringing them into the clinic less often so they're not exposed to other patients as, uh, you know, as, as frequently as they are, telling them stay home. Um, and, you know, actually uh, the, the, the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center where I do uh, my research, which is affiliated with the Seattle Cancer, Cancer Care Alliance, which is the hospital part of, the, of that whole entity, um, we're one of the first that actually instituted the whole work from home, social distancing thing. Um, and afterwards, Amazon followed suit. And, you know, I, I think we, we did this really early and it was a, it was a good thing. Because in, in the U S Seattle was pretty much the, the main, like kind of puncture point for the U S right? Like that's kind of where everything started, but you, y'all managed to kind of slow it down pretty quickly, I guess. Oops, oops, we lost you. Lost me? Oh, there we go. You're back. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, some of this you got, is... You got real sad, and then there was no audio. Like, oh, man, this is a real <laughs> tough question. <laughs> well, some of it was kind of luck. You know, um, we have um, a lot of studies going on in Seattle. This, we're, we're a very big uh, infectious diseases research kind of hub, and we have uh, this research uh, project that is tracking uh, influenza uh, throughout the city. And, um, you know, we were able, uh, one of our, one of my colleagues was able to actually uh, pick up uh, this, you know, SARS-CoV-2, the, the virus that causes COVID um, because of that, uh, that study. And yeah, we picked it up really fast and we were able to act fast on it. And I think we're a little, we're lucky in the sense that you know, our, uh, our leadership uh, is one that actually believes in science, so. <laughs> yeah, be nice if the rest of the country would follow suit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, if you're ready, we can just jump right into questions. Yeah. Andy, did you have any questions before I, I get uh, Yeah, can you, uh, can you just give us like a brief idea of what it actually is, COVID-19? Yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's a good place to start, actually. So we have to we have to separate uh, the disease from the virus, I think is, uh, is uh, the most important thing to do. So COVID-19 <clears throat> is the disease process that is the result of the virus called SARS-CoV-2. Um, and it's called that because it is actually in the same family as the, uh, the original SARS outbreak that was back in early 2000s. And um, it's in the family called uh, coronaviruses, coronaviridae. Um, and corona coming from the uh, from meaning crown uh, because the virus itself has all these little spikes on it that looks like maybe you know, it makes it look like a, a crown pretty much and so um, so at any rate uh, we have that the virus which uh, you know is it can be spread via uh, respiratory droplets um, and uh, you know lead to this uh, COVID-19, uh, which is the actual disease. COVID, COVID means coronavirus disease. It's just that's the shortened uh, version of that. And we're, we, we, we add the 19 at the end because that's when uh, presumably it, uh, it all started. Um, and yeah, and, and then we could, we could probably talk about the whole uh, uh, kind of progression of disease from when you first get it to when you know, when you start to get symptoms, but I'm sure there'll be, I'm sure there'll be questions about oh, it. Oh yeah. So we can, yeah. We can jump into yeah. that. Yeah. Actually the, uh, 
next big thing we want to talk about is uh what does it feel like uh to get it or how do you know you have it what are the first symptoms and i know that kind of varies depending on the person but in your experience or, or what you've seen what typically ends it tends to be the first thing that people will notice um so it's probably pretty likely that uh they won't notice anything you know there is going to be a lot of uh patients that end up having um COVID and they, they never realized it because they, they, they have what we call asymptomatic infection. Um, but if, if you do get any kind of uh, illness, it's a very uh, you know, wide spectrum of diseases. You can um, go from anywhere from a mild kind of flu-like illness, and it really is, like it has shares a lot of the same um, symptoms as flu. You know, you get the, you get a cough, you get fever, the muscle aches, um, some headaches. Uh, the, the one thing that maybe kind of distinguishes flu from from uh, from COVID is that uh, eventually it leads to some difficulty with uh, with breathing, shortness of breath. Um, by that point, you know you're you're getting kind of um, towards the uh, towards the more severe parts of the disease. Um, it actually has an um, on average, an incubation period of, of about five days. So when someone gets infected, you know, um, they could be feeling like a, a million dollars up until the fifth day where they start to maybe get these fevers and other things. Are there any early signs? Like, I'm a hypochondriac, so yeah. anytime my throat sort of itches, I'm like, shit, I think I got it. Yeah, so, yeah, so you do, there is a sore throat is a, is one of the symptoms that you can get. Um, but the, with the, the interesting thing is that uh, it's never, uh, you know, it's never concrete. You, it doesn't follow a certain pattern. People can get one symptom first and then get the next, uh, you know, uh, later and then vice versa. Uh, one, one other kind of interesting symptom that folks have gotten has been loss of uh, smell and yeah. loss of taste. Um, yeah, that's, but that actually, you know, um, if you think about it, back like when when you've gotten like run-of-the-mill flu and i mean i think that's pretty common that people actually lose their, yeah. their their smell and taste but um and there is very rarely there's some gastrointestinal or uh, uh gi symptoms um like uh, diarrhea or nausea and vomiting so the respiratory thing is the the big thing because yeah. i guess because some people have you know we've heard stories of people that have had it had been tested positive and they've had real mild symptoms and they've said that you know like yeah maybe some real bad body aches and high fever and then after a few days gone and then others like total other end of the spectrum just insane difficulty breathing and you know eventually you know death stuff like that so um because it kind of runs the gamut huh yeah it really is uh you know um it it you know that some of it does uh, kind of depend on uh, your overall kind of underlying health condition. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of the things that we're finding more in, uh, recently with studies here in the U.S. is that uh, unfortunately, folks that are obese and overweight are are more at risk, mm -hmm. and that's not something they actually picked up in China because there's there's not a lot ah, gotcha. of, of that over there. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah. <laughs> you and me, you and me both, brother. I, you know, I, I gotta. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's so, so there's, a, there's some at risk populations outside of just, you know, uh, of, you know, uh, the patients that I see the cancer, mm -hmm. you know, cancer patients and things like that. But, um, 
but from the from the five days that you start to get symptoms, about five to seven days after that, that's when things really go downhill. Um, okay. And yeah, I I would say that there's two uh, big, uh, I guess stages of the infection. The first stage is the, like the actual viral part where you're, you know, having some of these symptoms of fevers and whatnot. But then the second stage is uh, your own body uh, kind of responding to things and it's more of inflammation. Um, and that's what the inflammation is what uh, is what really puts people kind of um, on the other side. Because it's all how their body happens to react to that. Because yeah. there have been, I guess, um, some issues or, or cases with, uh, I guess, sepsis, where the body kind of turns against itself, and that's, but that can happen with anything, though, right? It's not necessarily just exclusive to COVID. Right, that's okay. absolutely right. Um, but th there is kind of this hyperinflammation that's related to to COVID, like uh, specifically. So, so you know, it's different from other viral infections because you know we all get, uh, you know, other coronaviruses. Mm -hmm. There's other seasonal coronaviruses that don't do this kind of yeah. picture where, you know, we can uh, eventually end up on a ventilator. Yeah. Now, if you've uh, experienced mild symptoms, but no fever, how do you know if it's COVID? Uh, how, to get, how do you get tested for possible antibodies if you only have mild symptoms? That's a good question. Um, right now, you know, testing's a big issue. Uh, it's been all over the media. We're, we're trying to kind of uh, catch up with that. Um, so active infection is uh, is uh, different from uh, testing for antibodies. Antibodies tells you that you've been exposed to it sometime in the past. Um, so that's not really going to help for folks that have uh, active, you know, symptoms and infection. The the thing that really uh, will diagnose that is the um, uh, some molecular testing where they where they stick a, a a swab up your nose and yeah, and that takes a couple of days to come back, but um, you know, unfortunately, some some places are still limited, and and what has happened in a lot of places is that if you think you have it, you probably have it, and you should just you know act like you do, um, stay at home, uh, you know, to prevent infecting others. If things get really bad at home, uh, where you start to experience these, uh, you know, the shortness of breath and whatnot, then call ahead to your local emergency department um, and discuss those symptoms um, because they might actually uh, tell you uh, to either come in or maybe just uh, try to tough it out at home. Who, who would you suggest, let's say somebody is actually having symptoms and is fairly positive that it, this might be what it is, um, what should their first step, like who do they call first? If, like, if they have a general practitioner or they try to go to the hospital first, who, who do they contact? Yeah, and if they have a close relationship with their primary care doctor, I think that's not a, a bad thing um, because eventually they'll get looped back in, um, you know, to to have some follow up. You know, after they if they end up going to the hospital, you know, they should always follow up with their primary care. But so that's not yeah. We should probably start with your primary care if if they're you know reachable by phone. If that's not a possibility, um, actually, most hospitals these days are having. Uh, dedicated uh, separate lines for, mm -hmm. for uh, concerns about COVID. And, you know, they'll have nurses and other folks on the, on the line that you could talk to about your symptoms. And, so you could do like a teleconference uh, type thing? Okay. Yeah. But I'd yeah. seen somebody had, had, that had had it had mentioned that, that they had kind of said, you know, maybe see if you could talk to somebody that can just 
talk to you over the phone and tell you whether or not you're headed this direction or if no, I think you're okay, you can stay at home, that type of thing. Yeah, definitely better to do that and kind of avoid the whole yeah. WebMD thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, someone asked, uh, I heard it's worse than a cold, but not as bad as the flu. Is that true? And if so, what's the big deal? Like, where, where, does, it, where does it fall? Well, you know, it all depends on, uh, again, uh, your risk of bad outcomes. Uh, right now, I mean, we've, uh, you've probably seen in, on the news that one of the, one of the experts that's been um, helping guide our administration, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who, who he um, is the head of the um, NIAID, which is the um, infectious diseases part of the NIH. And he's actually said this specifically. He said that it is 10 times more deadly than the flu. Um, so there is a difference, you know, and, and in terms of uh, sim like early symptoms, it's hard to tell them apart, really. So, um, but it's just all about the, you know, what could happen. That, that's, that's what makes people worried. Uh, hold on. Let me see here. Um... Now, China is reporting no new cases. What does that mean? Is it done there? Will it ever be done here? Yeah, that, that is the, one of the million-dollar questions, right? I, I, think, I think we have to take what, what they say with a grain of salt, and uh, unfortunately, um, you know, we, um, there was a big possibility that when this all started that they may have been under-reporting cases, and so that kind of uh, you know, led into, led to our, um, you know, not, we didn't understand much in the beginning and then we had to, we, yeah, we were just relying on everything that they were, t were telling us. So, um, you know, that no matter what, so, so, so China actually uh, undertook some of the, some, some of the more extreme measures of social distancing, you know, locking folks indoors and whatnot. And, um, but no matter what the social distancing measure as soon as you lift those regulations, you're going to see most likely a an uptick of cases again. Mm -hmm. um, and I I I will say though, it, it, it you need to also or folks need to realize that um, when they're testing for for the virus, um, they're actually just testing for genetic material. So you know it, it, if they if they find it again, um, it may not necessarily even be live virus and maybe just kind of dead stuff that's kind of floating around. So, um, yeah. And I, so you've probably seen some, some reports out of Korea where uh, folks are, are testing positive again. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say whether it's something that is going to be relevant or not. Now, is that true that, so like the flu, you can really only get once, you know, like in a, in a cycle. But with, I've heard that with uh, Corona or COVID, you can get it, get over it, and then get it again. Yeah, so that's kind of one of the things uh, that I was kind of alluding to with the, the Korean uh, studies of recent. Um, but one thing, so there's been some, some animal studies that have shown, um, uh, and these were, these were macaques, which are, are like a, a type of monkey, um, where they didn't get infected again. Like there was no evidence of it at all, but then now we're getting these reports from um, from Korea about patients who are 
popping up positive with uh, positive tests again. And, you know, what it's the, the thought is that it might not be that they're getting infected again, but that they're actually reactivating the virus that they had in the first place. Um, and, and that has to do kind of with um, sometimes viruses can find uh, what are called sanctuary sites. So they hide out in places. And for this virus in particular, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, one of the sites uh, that they've, they found has, uh, has actually been uh, testicles. Um, so yes, yeah, it hangs out there. I might have those. <laughs> Man, I touch those more than I touch my face. <laughs> Mine, not Chris's. And sometimes they touch your face. That's real weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is pretty recent, but Trump cut off funding to, uh, the who and making claims that they've failed in their initial response to the outbreak in China. Uh, what are your thoughts on those claims? What could a severe reduction in funds to the WHO uh, do to the world? Yeah, uh, you know, the, I, I think there were, uh, you know, multiple people maybe at fault uh, with, with, with what happened. Um, you know, I think he's probably thinking uh, mainly U.S.-centric, um, you know, that... Um, the response in the U.S. is it, it could have been better, and you know, honestly, um, yeah, there was the part on the who's the who's part where um, there was um, maybe some uh, favoring of the Chinese data and suggesting that uh, well, maybe there is no human to human uh, transmission, and so some of the, some of our earlier uh, uh, measures may have been um, uh, because of that, because of what the the statements that they made. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, uh, the 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 first measures that we ended up taking here in the country were, you know, closing off all travel to to China. And, and honestly, once one patient comes from China to the U.S., that's all it takes. And so, I, really, it, the 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 measures about you know closing off all travel they really didn't matter. Um, and 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 who who was actually doing? What they what they do in terms of just following the science. That's what the science showed at the time was that there was no evidence of human to human transmission at the time. And you know, unfortunately, there was some other issues with testing and the WHO offering tests to the U.S. and we didn't take those tests, and then we fell behind on testing. So 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 lots of people maybe at fault here. Um, and I don't think that this is a good time to be defunding WHO because there are other parts of the world that um, are likely relying on their um, the types of things that they do for them. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, so <clears throat> early on, there were reports about ibuprofen. Uh, what is uh, what's the new data now? Is it safe to take ibuprofen? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So an, a lot of the uh, issues with that actually came from, uh, there was a a statement made by the French health minister where he said, um, you know, you should, you should avoid taking ibuprofen because it looks like there's worse outcomes for people that take ibuprofen that have COVID. You know, I, in general, ibuprofen's a a drug that's in a class of medications called NSAIDs. Um, These are medications that are used for pain relief and they come with a lot of side effects. They can affect your, um, they can they can cause ulcer disease in, in your stomach. 
they can cause kidney disease. And, and so if you add that on top of having COVID and all the things that COVID can do to your, to your organ systems, that's probably why, um, you know, you're maybe seeing a little worse outcomes is you've got, you've got kidney damage already from the COVID already anyway, from, from sepsis, from COVID, but then adding um, the, the ibuprofen on top of that is just going to do more damage. So it's not necessarily that ibuprofen was uh, predisposing <coughs> folks to getting COVID. Um, in general, though, in, in the ICU um, and uh, for any kind of uh, uh, infectious illness, we, we, we prefer Tylenol, um, you know, in moderate uh, doses to at least uh, control fever. Um, y you know, if it, it, you shouldn't avoid taking Tylenol um, just because of, of the concerns uh, for um, side effects and whatnot, because if you... It, if you're if you're having fever and you're and you're feeling miserable, you know take it. it it's it's it's, it's going to help. Yeah. Um, since we're talking about fever and and medications and stuff, I, I had um, I had seen a post recently that said, um, you know, with the fever that you know if you can stand it without it getting too out of hand, to go ahead and let it let it progress because that's your body fighting off the uh, the virus. Uh, what's your take on that? Should you take medication to fight the fever or let it burn hot for a little while? Yes, take, take medicine. Your, your, your body's going to do what it's going to do in terms of fighting the, uh, fighting the infection. Regardless of whether or not you're taking a medication to lower the fever. Okay. Right, yeah. I, you know, it, um, I think you, you run the risk of, of, yeah, of just having a, a more miserable kind of time with COVID. Um, we do. We we use we use uh, Tylenol in the ICU all the time when folks have fevers, and um, you know it, it's it, the, the the with the fever comes other kind of uh, reactions. You know, you can actually get a faster heart rate uh, associated with fever, um, and you know it. The again, your the bottom line is what whatever your body's going to do to fight this infection, Tylenol is not going to. Yeah. affect that. Uh, what is your opinion on the hydroxychloroquine uh, and its efficiency that uh, some people are strongly suggesting, but what, what's, the, what's the scoop on that hydroxychloroquine? That's, a, I mean, you were almost there. Hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. That's um, what I said. What that's what you say? said. I mean, that's yeah. what you said. Hydroxychloroquine. Yep. Hydroxychloroquine uh, medicine woman? Yeah, we couldn't afford Oreos, <laughs> so we would always eat hydroxychloroquines. It's a hydrox <laughs> joke. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I gotcha. Oreos, gotcha. Yeah. I got it. Um, uh, so, you know, the, yeah, there's a lot of controversy about this, right? Um, you know, um, bottom line is we just don't know. Um, there's, there's studies that have been that shown some positive effects. Um, there's studies that have shown some negative effects. I mean, just yesterday there was a study in, in Brazil um, that showed um, really uh, no difference in terms of ICU uh, needs and, um, and severity of disease. Um, and um, there was another study today from France that kind of showed the same. Actually, the one from yesterday from Brazil was actually looking at chloroquine, which is a is a it's a medication that's related to it and and in that study had to be stopped early because of the 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 effects that it caused on 
uh, patients' heart rhythms um, because it's, a, it's got some side effects that are pretty deadly. Um, and that's why we don't, you know, we're, we're pretty cautious about, about doing this, um, um, about using it um, because, uh, you know, honestly, the, the gold standard for figuring out whether a medication works or not for a disease is something called a randomized controlled trial. And, and so that's basically a study where uh, you get a, a group of patients with a, a disease, you give uh, a proportion of them the, 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 the drug of interest, like hydroxychloroquine, you give a proportion of them placebo, uh, which is you know, basically a sugar, sugar pill, I guess you, you could say. And, I mean, or a you, band and you, from the early 2000s. Oh yeah, placebo. <laughs> what's what's this band doing here? I'm not getting the medicine, am I? <laughs> you just get their CD. Yeah, <laughs> not even their greatest hits though, just their latest. Yeah, we're signing autographs. That's worth less now. Are they still a band? Or are they still making? I don't hits? know. I, I, I don't know. I, I Either way, they're not effective. Them. No, they're not effective in co in uh, preventing COVID. So, um, but yeah, so then you just you look at the outcomes between the two groups and if the patients that got the actual drug are, you know, having better outcomes, then you got a winner. Um, What's your take on masks? Um, they're being uh, enforced in a lot of areas now. Um, but a lot of studies are showing that wearing a mask won't necessarily make a difference, um, especially if you don't know how to wear the mask properly. So what's your, what's your take and your advice on masks? I mean, yeah, it's part of the CDC's guidelines now, right, that, uh, that they're recommending um, everyone wear, wear them. Um, if you wear them, uh, you should wear homemade ones. Do not wear, um, you know, surgical mask or N95s or anything like that because we, we need those. Um, and, you know, whether or not they protect you from, from uh, uh, COVID, uh, I mean, it's they might maybe offer some uh, like a very minimal um, protection. I mean, I think the the benefit of wearing a mask is more for preventing asymptomatic spread. Mm -hmm. So you may have the disease and not not even know it. You're wearing the mask, and so if you you know you're talking or coughing in public, you're less likely to give it to someone else. Um, but no matter what, a mask should never be a surrogate for the the six feet uh, distance. Um, measure so so just because you're wearing a mask don't don't think it means you can go out and, you know yeah party hard yeah um speaking of the six foot distance um have you seen anything or have you uh what would what would be your um your take on how long you think it might hang in the air or how far it can travel is six feet enough yeah that's a that's a good question you know i think there's been some reports that uh that have said that um, maybe a little bit, it can go a little further than the six feet than, uh, you know, than, you know, we had originally thought. And, you know, I, I think, um, I think it's always going to be variable because it kind of depends on, uh, the, you know, the, the action that the person who, yeah. who has it is doing. Yeah. So like, yeah, the projection, like a talking yeah. is different than a cough. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So like if it's a cough or sneeze, obviously it's going to go a lot yeah, further, yeah. but, but mm -hmm. Um, but there have been studies that sh have shown that it's it can stay uh, aerosolized um, in in the air uh, for about three hours at least. Oh wow! Yeah. Jeez. 
Um, uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, once a vaccine is developed, will the virus shedding be an issue? Is virus shedding an actual issue for vaccines in general? So it kind of, that, that, that will depend, you know, um, uh, there's different kinds of vaccines. The one where we worry about um, virus shedding are, is uh, something called a live vaccine, uh, where uh, we actually, um, you know, inject a, a less harmful version of a live virus in you. So it kind of, uh, your, your body reacts to that and, and builds up immunity based off of, uh, you know, a not, not real virus. Um, so the, the issue with some live vaccines um, is that there can be an occasional, very rare, very rare uh, reversion to the, the wild type vaccine, or not vaccine, the wild type virus, the virus that can cause the actual illness. And so that's what you know, folks are, um, that get very worried about. Uh, this is like a main, this is fodder for like the, the anti-vax, uh, uh, you know, this is why they, Something that they always bring up in their arguments, uh, and, um, but it's it's not common. And it actually, more often than not, um, when you get a vaccine and then you get sick afterward, it's probably because you didn't. You mean know, it, it's it depends again on the vaccine. But if it's a, if it's a live vaccine, it's most likely you probably got exposed to a separate virus. Um, but if it's a um, inactivated vaccine. Um, you know, it, you know, no, no vaccine is ever 100% efficacious. So we, we always have to realize that. So um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens uh, with with uh, SARS-CoV-2. I mean, I'm going to get the vaccine just because I want to be better at chess and counting toothpicks. Uh, now, is this something that if they do develop a vaccine, is this something I'm going to have to get a vaccine for every year? Like, is it going to cycle through like the flu? Yeah, so we don't know that. Um, we de we that's it's way too early to to know uh, whether uh, one vaccine will be enough. That's always the goal in vaccination, right? Mm -hmm. that, that you you give one vaccine and it and it's got a, a a prolonged kind of immunity. That that's that brings up another good point is that um, even though you uh, you get a vaccine or you get COVID, and then you check antibodies. Um, there's a difference between, you know, having the presence of antibodies versus having the actual titer of antibody that will prevent you from getting infection later on. So, um, so, so not so having antibodies after infection doesn't necessarily mean you're protected. Um, so, so yeah, we'd have to see with with these vaccines that are in production. There's there's about seventy or more that are being studied right now, and and one of them. Uh, yeah, one of them is actually uh, being studied here in Seattle. It's a, a as part of the NIH. It's a, um, you know, it, it's it's it's. We'll have yeah. I think um, you know we we we'd have to do some studies that 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 compare uh, what your immunity is like after the vaccine to what Im what your immunity is like after natural infection too. Mm -hmm. Um. A strong immune system seems to be a factor in resisting or recovering. Is that true, or is there evidence to support that? And um, how could you, how could we build our immune system besides general things like eating right or getting plenty of sleep? Yes, that's that's true. I, you know, the, the the folks that are at risk are again the folks that 
have, um, or that are at risk for bad outcomes rather, because everyone's at risk for infection. Um, you know, even the young, the old, babies, you know, uh, pregnant folks, uh, you know, it, anyone can get infected. But in terms of outcomes, those with uh, chronic conditions like diabetes, heart failure, COPD, um, technically those are immunocompromising conditions. Um, and so, um, and actually the, the biggest immunocompromising condition or the most common that no one can avoid is aging. Um, as, you get, as you get older, um, your, your uh, immune cells go through something called uh, immunosenescence. And that's basically when your cells just don't work as well as they used to in terms of uh, combating virus. So unless you're Benjamin Button, you know, there's not or much you can do. Or a vampire. Or a vampire. There's not much you can do about that. Or Paul Rudd. Ooh. Yes. He's a, yeah, he's a national treasure for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want Nick his, Cage I want to try to steal him. <laughs> yeah. Nick, yeah. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> uh, you know, that um, there's not much else you can do otherwise to uh, build up your immune system. Um, you know, that healthy diet does does mm. matter, but you also have to realize it's not just a diet. You yeah. should uh, try to um, attain a healthy weight. As I mentioned, obesity is, uh, is a risk factor. And um, the other thing uh, that folks can do is, you know, get updated on all their, all their other vaccines. There's, there's some studies that show getting vaccines um, can actually uh, help protect you from uh, infections other than the one that the vaccine is for. So they can kind of build off of each other and uh, offer you a little more, uh, a better chance at immunity, not necessarily immunity, but protect you a little bit more. That's right. Um, so kind of building off of that question, let's say that you had two people that uh, essentially exactly the same in terms of, um, you know, their, their, their immunity. Uh, let's say that they're not immunocompromised, uh, that they're both essentially exactly the same identical in terms of health, and they both got it is there one thing that if one person did it, that they would have an easier time if they got it, if they did something different than the other person that could give them an easier time or would uh, prevent them from having this really bad outcome from. <clears throat> yeah. You know, that's a, that's a tough question actually, because there are, I'm sure there's not, I'm sure there's not, but <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, like, have you seen anything where you're like, these two people seem pretty similar, but this person did this, and maybe they didn't end up quite as bad? Well, you know, that, again, we, we see it sometimes in, in, in young folks, uh, like, uh, you know, that are less than 50, less than 30. Um, and, you know, there's just needs to be more studies to see, yeah. you know, whether there's not whether there's even something, you know, genetically a pre predisposition to it mm -hmm. or not. Gotcha. Um, so there's a lot of variables that we just don't know about. So basically, we don't know enough about this. So don't trust somebody saying that, oh, go get our spa treatment with a vitamin C infusion and that will protect you. Yes. Or send okay. me money and I'll pray okay. it yeah, away. Yeah, or, or that too. <laughs> I, ju I just asked that because apparently like here, hometown, like Arlington, some spa got busted for advertising that they had a vitamin C infusion that would prevent or protect you from COVID. Yeah, that's not you a happy ending with that. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. 
And so they are actually doing infusions where they I, set you I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it you know, because like, you went. I know you I did. Went. I did. <laughs> it, I just actually, I just sat in a dark room and just listened to vitamin C's. Was that graduation song? Oh yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that, that, that'll, that's the cure for all. So. Yeah. But yeah, they were doing some kind of vitamin C treatment. I don't know if it was an infusion or not, um, but they, they were just doing some kind of treatment and they got busted and they, somebody said like, Hey, you can't say this. You cannot say that vitamin C is going to keep you from eating. And of course, here in Arlington, so home, hometown proud. Uh, are people who have recovered developing antibodies? Uh, this person said they've seen a few articles talking about people contracting COVID-19 a second time and a second wave of infection through China uh, with worse clinical outcomes. And um, was wondering if there was any truth to that. Yeah, I, we, we talked about it a little bit mm -hmm. already. Uh, there's some folks that are getting um, reactivation in, uh, in mm -hmm. some, some Korean studies. And um, the antibody thing, you know, I, again, uh, there's a difference between um, having the presence of antibodies and having a protective level of antibodies. So we just don't know that much about gotcha. it. Um, and actually, there's a whole bunch of uh, uh, antibody uh, tests that are kind of in development right now. And the FDA has actually... Um, have done the one of the most unusual things where they uh, have given emergency authorization to, for pretty much anyone to put out a test as long as they can prove that it works in the lab, but it doesn't necessarily need to work in humans. And and so as as we're getting as we're using the 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 test more and more, um, we're actually learning if it even works. That's how that's how bad it is right now. But you know I. So, so that, so, so to that, actually, the the test that um, that most folks are using to actually diagnose the the disease where they stick the swab in your nose or whatnot, you know, it can be the it could be as low as a sixty or seventy percent um, uh, sensitivity, meaning um, you might miss it uh, about thirty percent of the time. Wow. Now, what about uh, to circle back the clothing? Um, do plastic gloves help? I've seen where they're making people too comfortable and they don't wash their hands or pro practice proper face touching etiquette. Yeah, I, um, you know, I think, I think washing your hands is, is enough. Um, and just being smart about it. You know, if you, if you go out and you're, you have to, for some reason, Again, we should we should be limiting the amount of times that we go mm -hmm. out. But if you have mm -hmm. to go to the grocery store and you're you're pushing a shopping cart, shopping cart, wipe down the shopping cart, um, and uh, you know do what you got to do at the end of your of your shopping. Uh, you know, go wash your hands if you can. Use or use hand sanitizer if you have it. Do especially uh, do it especially before you, you know, touch your steering wheel or anything like that. Um, and then when you come home, wipe down, you know, surfaces, gloves, you know, it, unless you know how to use them, yeah, there is a, there is a potential that you can be using them incorrectly. Uh, the same with masks, actually, you know, you're not, you're honestly not supposed to be um, touching the front of your mask because that's supposed to be the uh, most likely contaminated part of the mask. You're supposed to use it only once a day, and then once you come home, uh, you take it off, you put it in the wa the washing machine, um, and, and so hopefully you have uh, several on hand. So 
that's that's the that's the kind of downside with um, um, uh, supplying PPE to the public is they they just don't know how yeah, to use it. Yeah, they might not know how to use it. Yeah. Well, at the very least, even if the you know a homemade mask isn't necessarily protecting you from airborne droplets, at least it might help prevent you from putting your hand in your mouth or something without thinking about it. It's true. Uh, so how often are you just putting your hand in your mouth, Chris? A lot, man. It's like I get real nervous <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> my my daughter does it all the time. I mean, just you, whole fist. Y'all should hang out. <laughs> <laughs> um. So apparently. Tigers are getting this shit. What are the implications there? <laughs> yeah, and with any like that can cover everything because I know uh, asked about a, a another animal. Yeah, dog. I've heard cats are getting it, and I know that cats uh, can get the cold, like our cold, and vice versa. Is that what makes them susceptible to getting COVID nineteen? Uh, you know, so when it when I mean the whole thing started from uh, from an from an animal origin, actually. So, um, so we can go ahead and dispel all these lab rumors. You know, it wasn't made in a lab or anything like that. It, it, it came from a bat. A bat. Uh, you know, uh, there was a potential that um, maybe uh, a, a separate animal called a, a pangolin that is mm -hmm. uh, similar to like an armadillo. Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, you said penguin wrong, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know. Spell it, I, uh, do it phonetically, pangolin. Pangolin. There you go. Uh, pangolin? So, stage, pangolin. There was something that happened weird, um, and it was probably in one of those wet markets, you know, maybe a, a bat peed in a pangolin's food or feces or mm -hmm. who knows. Or a um, bat dropped a banana and a pig ate it, and then Gwyneth Paltrow ate the pig. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that movie. That actually, you know, it's that that pretty, that's a great movie. It's a good movie. It, that's yeah, good, I like it a lot. Uh, Contagion, if anybody's wondering. Um, you're talking about Great Expectations. <laughs> I'm talking Man. about the, the Gloop Netflix thing. Gloop. <laughs> uh, actually, that's the cure for COVID. Did you not know that? Goop? Goop. I gotta put an egg up my butt? <laughs> if you can get it up there. <laughs> it's gotta get past the pine cone. You know, uh, so eventually it spread over to humans, and then, uh, yeah. So when it when it when it spreads from an animal to a human, it's called a, a zoonotic infection, like zoos, like the word zoo. And um, uh, you know, there's a there's a possibility that humans can spread it to animals. Sometimes animals don't get symptoms. <clears throat> it seems like uh, tigers, you know, might have symptoms, and so and cats in general. Dogs can get symptoms too, but not as uh, severe. But the the major the main the main implication, I guess, for all this is that they're just another reservoir. So if we um, uh, you said our name, uh, we did. did. Woo! Do I get like paid or something? No, oh, we do. Oh, we haven't even gotten paid. <laughs> it, you know, if if um, if we end up wanting to uh, make sure that everyone is immune. And it, we'd probably have to make sure that, uh, that that all the animals are doing okay. And I mean, I guess, you know, we're lucky that we're not all Joe Exotic or whatever and own tigers. Um, and um, just don't make out with your pets for a while. Andy. Damn it. I did have a, speaking of making out with my pet, 
I love my dog very much, and uh, I haven't taken her to the dog park because I heard that the dogs can have it on their fur, and I love petting dogs. So, um, like a park, they say is safe as long as you're not jogging behind somebody and they're coughing their head off. But are dog parks really that safe where your dog might be rubbing up, getting that gross dog's COVID germs all over my dog, and then it comes over and I kiss my dog in the face because I love her beautiful, cute little face. Yeah. yeah, so again, try to refrain from making out with your dog. Uh, but if you have to, uh, you know, I think... Uh, Where he mask. has to. <laughs> Where a mask. <laughs> uh, we, we, don't, we don't know that much about, again, the animal transmission thing. I, it, it seems that dogs don't shed as much uh, virus uh, from what I've, you know, kind of read uh, briefly, but... Um, it, it, you know, the, I, I think after you come home from the dog park, you know, wash up really well. Um, and, you know, again, try to avoid, uh, uh, you know, making any uh, oral contact with your, with your dog's skin or fur or I don't know. If we, we don't know is the, is the bottom line. Okay. Yeah. Well, I haven't gone since okay. all this has started because, uh, Man, I, I'll tell you, because I'm essential, so you and I are on the same page. Nice. Uh, oh, so you're basically a doctor. I mean, yes, <laughs> I have WebMD, too, so. Um, it operates on boxes. Yeah. But, uh, so, I just go to work, and I go home. Yeah. And that's it, you know. I'm not trying to see anybody else. I do miss uh, seeing my friends. I mean, I haven't seen you, uh, Danny, because you decided that you wanted tossed salad and scrambled eggs more than you wanted uh, Taco Tuesdays. So you're up in Seattle now. But I haven't seen Chris in, like, what, since Leap Day. So that was uh, 10 months ago. Because it's <laughs> April now. Yeah. Um, I mean uh, you're doing well. I, I I appreciate it. You're you're uh, you're part of the good fight. Uh, oh, thanks. Uh, but I work in a returns department, so people have said, "Well, something you might send out might save somebody's life in a respirator." And I said, "Well, I work in the returns department, so there's absolutely no way <laughs> anything I'm touching is helping anybody." So you might actually just get back something that somebody that had COVID nineteen had. Oh, dude, we were getting boxes from China while it was going on and we were raising our hands and they were like just leave it aside for a week it'll be fine like hey andy go check in this big box of coughs yeah but <laughs> oddly enough the company is global and uh they haven't had one person test positive they oh, said wow. that because probably other people have had it um I, there's a couple more questions uh there's an article saying that marijuana makes you vulnerable to covid19 Yeah, I haven't hadn't read that. Uh, you know, it was in high were, times. <laughs> probably right. That's probably why I haven't read it. Um, and I, I in high times would be printing that. <laughs> they, 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 there's some pretty reputable scientists like, in, in those uh, in those like guys, animals, right? Edibles, don't smoke it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that is a good a good uh, you know a good alternative. I think if you because I mean, honestly, if you have to do it. If you have to, I, I, <laughs> who does? Just, uh, you know, patients that smoke cigarettes are at risk of COPD. 
we don't really know that much about um, marijuana usage if it leads to lung problems. Um, it probably, you know, there's a responsibility. But I think the big thing, um, e even with our uh, with the bone marrow transplant population, again, was is what I uh, is the patient population I see I see most. Um, there's a risk of uh, uh, fungal pneumonia uh, that it's related to um, to smoking marijuana. So. Um, and there's been some studies recently that uh, if you get COVID, you're at risk of of getting fungal pneumonia. So, I, I think it's um I think it you know if you can avoid it, avoid it. If you can do edibles, I guess do edibles. I don't know. So you um, heard, you heard it right here. Doctor said <laughs> do edibles. Well, there's a follow up question. There's a follow up to that question, which says, if I can't smoke marijuana and cigarettes, how do people know I'm cool? Sunglasses? Question. Because <laughs> um, you have to have the, the cool at the end of the MD, right? Didn't we? Is it cool? Yeah, that's right. CG, yeah. CG, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what else can I do to make sure I won't get sick? What if I have to go to work? You know, uh, all of the, the, me the measures that we've talked about already, staying six feet from folks, uh, you know, a lot of places here in Seattle are uh, uh, instituting a policy where no more than five people per room, if that's possible. Um, but if you have to be around other folks, um, you know, some wear a mask if you can at work, if um, some, some places are making it uh, kind of a policy as well. Wash your hands constantly. Um, and, it, and actually, you know, washing your hands works really well for, for this virus in particular, and as opposed to hand sanitizer, because of just mechanistically, it, 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 it probably works better. Um, that's about it. You know, you can't, you can't do much uh, more. I, I mean, if you're, if you're working with, uh, with the public, if you're in, you know, the food industry or things like that, you know, I think it's very important to uh, to keep up on a lot of these uh, uh, these practices too, because you're, you're at risk of spreading to others if you do end up having it and you're asymptomatic. Um, um, oh, go ahead, Chris. Uh, our last official question here. Uh, some reports say COVID-19 has been around since December and January. I was sick in January. Was it COVID-19? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I've seen a, a lot of those questions uh, online actually. Um, and I've seen questions about, I was sick in, in December, I was sick in November, I'm pretty sure I had COVID. Uh, it's not likely, it's, it's not very likely. And, and, and the reason I say this is, um, was actually, there's been some, uh, based off of some of the studies that have been done here, actually in Seattle, um, we uh, had that uh, viral surveillance program that I was mentioning, the Seattle flu study, um, and we actually looked at a lot of samples from January and February. Um, like when I say a lot, I mean thousands of samples from, from folks. These are, these are folks that um, signed up for our study because they had actual respiratory symptoms. They thought they had the flu. And we went back and we tested them for, uh, um, for COVID. And um, other than the, the people that uh, actually got diagnosed because they came into the hospital and I think our first case was around January 21st or so. No one had COVID in January. And there was a couple, like a handful of cases in February. 
So based off of that, you know, it is very unlikely and it based off of genomic kind of uh, 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 tracking that we can do with uh, some of these, uh, with, with, with these viruses, um, you know, it's, it's likely that it, it, it was introduced uh, sometime in mid-January. And I think the, one of the big things that, um, that makes, makes this less likely that, you know, someone had COVID like uh, earlier than um, our official kind of estimate in mid-January was we would have seen a lot more deaths uh, earlier on. So that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. My cousin says that, uh, you can get COVID-19 from 5G network. Should I stop talking to them? <laughs> no, but really, like, uh, yes, on 5G, yeah, just, it is 4G. Or as a doctor, can you get it from 5G? No. And you know, I don't Great. even know, like, yeah. No more explanation needed. Okay, let's just, yeah, no. Uh, and it wasn't created in a lab. Definitely and wasn't. it wasn't used as a weapon by the Chinese. No. Cool. Was it on a U.S. military base, and then the Chinese got it? Nope. Great. <laughs> Man, that's it. That was all the good questions right there. Yeah. <laughs> the 5G I mean, I, one just this is doesn't just, make any sense to me at all. No, I, I, I actually I haven't looked into that. I don't, I don't even know how they, how they oh, even relate. It's just that people are stupid. Oh, that's how it relates, I guess. Yeah. But this is something that needs to be taken seriously. Uh, how much is the media blowing it up? Because I feel like it's maybe like 70% as bad as they're saying. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I think they, 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 they might, they might be, I mean, I saw, I saw a report about like a one news station that was um, actually using footage from like Italy or something. And yeah. It wasn't, um, you know, so that stuff is the, most extreme uh, forms of blowing it up, you know, um, but it is bad, you know, it, it's, it's, it's nowhere near getting resolved soon. Um, uh, and um, if, unless you actually are seeing, uh, you know, patients kind of on a regular basis and what, what happens uh, as a result, uh, I mean, the, the, it's, 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 it's sad, you know, to see, folks that are on the younger, you know, on, on the younger side and they're, again, less than 50 and they're on the ventilator and, you know, I mean, I think, yeah, you know, some of the, there's been some celebra- celebrities that have, that mm-hmm. have uh, passed and, you know, that's, those are, it, I, I think what makes it hard for some people to grasp is that they don't, a lot of people don't um, have someone personally they know affected by it, but when I, I think it, it's um, in some ways it's it's um, it's good for for uh, the, it, it to be reported when um, when someone that you do know is affected by it, so you know that that you know that it's a real thing to worry about. So, um, but yeah, me, media can can media can do a little bit better. And I think that there needs to be a lot of uh, uh, more representation about uh, from, from experts. And, and, you know, some, some news networks are, are better at that than others. You know, some folks get kind of second rate uh, uh, experts. So I, yeah. I, well, I mean, when he's up there doing the press conference, you, oh, you're, you're not talking about anybody specific. 
Well, uh, I mean, so wait, are a, you saying I should trust doctors and not people who used to host a reality show? I mean, Dr. Oz did both, right? Dr. Oz is a piece of dog shit. <laughs> he has a higher death rate in those celebrity rehab houses than you should have in any rehab. Yeah, he's a he's a piece of shit. You know, recently actually uh he had been on our side with the uh, telling, you know, folks to to be wary of uh hydroxychloroquine. Mm-hmm. Um so good on him for that, but yeah, I agree on some other <laughs> some of the other things that he maybe reports on and and there's other news uh uh or other doctors in in, in media like Dr. Drew and stuff and 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 they're that's not their their purview or their specialty you know they uh dr drew is a psychiatrist and you know i mean you have to take what what they say with a grain of salt well dr dre said this shit's fucked up so yeah well he yeah i i I believe dr yeah he might know i mean he wasn't talking about this (laughs) (laughs) uh but that does bring up a good good question um so what news outlets would you recommend like where where could people go to get yeah. good information that you can trust yeah uh so i have a colleague who um who has been working on a, on a website that is kind of geared towards the the general public uh that uh you know folks can potentially get some information from um it's uh covid-101.org and so it's got some question or some answers to some common questions there okay um, you can go on, uh, and I know this sounds kind of, uh, interesting to say, but you can go on Twitter because there's actual health professionals that use Twitter. I, my, I myself use Twitter as well. If you look at the hashtag, um, either COVID-19 or ID, ID, meaning infectious diseases, Twitter, there's a whole bunch of, uh, of health professionals that, um, you know, that are kind of reporting about studies that have come out and what their thoughts are about them. And, 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 you know, that's, that's where people should probably be paying more attention to. Yeah. And uh, just, I guess, in closing, how close are we to this being over? What do you mean by Uh, over? Like everything back to normal? Not back to normal. But just like being able to go out. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think, there's going to be some things that uh, that we that we need to to see, I guess, um, um, before going further in like reopening in the nation. In terms of, you know, uh, even here in Seattle, we're we're on a plateau. We're not. I know there's been some stuff in the news that we've passed the peak, and that that might be so, but we haven't gone down necessarily. And I think that that's something that we would want to see in places that, uh, before we start opening them up. That they're on a downtrend uh, um, in terms of cases. Uh, that'll help us in terms of hospital resources so that if, um, you know, if there's ever um, a, a, a little mini outbreak in, in like a nursing facility, we can keep up with it. Um, but it, in all honesty, again, this thing is going to pop up again, um, you know, maybe sometime this winter, maybe sometime next year maybe sometime the, the year after that. It will be multiple cycles. Uh, it's, it's, it's been introduced into the world now and it's, and it's there. And, um, and you know, and, unfortunately, um, you know, un, until we, we get a good handle on a vaccine, 
um, it, it could still have the same consequences that it, uh, that it has now uh, later on. Um, so I, I think, so seeing that downtrend is important is one. We don't necessarily have to wait for a vaccine to uh, open up uh, things because as you probably have heard, it's gonna, it's gonna take about you know, 12 to 18 months for that to happen. Mm -hmm. I think they can be. I think folks can be strategic about how they open places up. Um, you know, if we offer a, a broader testing um, to um, try to pick up as many asymptomatic uh, carriers as much as possible, and then do uh, actual case tracing uh, for those carriers. So, so all the contacts that they've had, um, and isolating them for at least a couple weeks. And so if, if we do this kind of strategically, um, you know, eventually we can we be releasing folks out into the workforce. Um, I think the antibody tests that we've talked about earlier are going to be important because it's going to show us who actually, uh, you know, has seen the virus already. So they may be immune to it uh, later on. Um, there's, a, there's been a big talk uh, by some folks about herd immunity and I, and I just, you know, want to. I want everyone to to make sure that they know that 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 is probably not possible anytime soon. Because uh, in order to get that, you you need at least sixty or seventy percent of the population to have had seen the virus and have antibodies that are protective of it. Um, and we can't do that safely by naturally infecting everyone because yeah. then that's going to kill everyone pretty much. And um, so. So a vaccine would help that for sure. Um, I, I think that um, we shouldn't be expecting, uh, you know, major sporting events or major like big concerts or anything like that. Um, probably for a good, maybe half a year to a year, you know, maybe longer. There was a report today that we should probably not expect things to be normal until like 2022 or something. So I mm. just, it's hard to hard to say, um, but we need to be cautious. Um, we need to, you know, act uh, accordingly, according to what experts and what scientists say, with what the models say. A lot of these models are are based off of uh, keeping these some of these social distancing things in place. Um, but I think uh, eventually. Yeah, sometime this year we could start to see potentially folks uh, opening up again. So just because things haven't gotten as bad as they projected doesn't mean that it's over. It just means that we're doing a good job because we're staying inside. That's right. That's that was the whole point of all this, yeah. and and it um, it's important to remember that. I think that yeah. some folks have been, um, you know, a little bit angry. Yeah. Um, just because they think, um, well, it, you said it was going to be bad and never got bad. It's because of the it's things that we yeah, did. Exactly. Right, yeah. One thing that I, I always like to remind people is that, uh, you know, doctors and epidemiologists were well aware that, um, yes, it's, there's not just the repercussions of, of like, uh, of now, of keeping folks uh, sheltered in now and that, Yes, people are going to lose their jobs, and you know, maybe it may lead to you know more psychiatric issues, uh, maybe uh, more uh, you know relapse of substance abuse. And we don't take this lightly. We're not doing this um, 
because we you know want to feel better about ourselves we we think that this is the best thing for everyone and and we are aware of those consequences that uh, that can happen as a result of it and and it, and they're unfortunate uh, but we wouldn't do this um uh, if we didn't think it was if it was necessary uh, and um, as soon as we think that it's safe to open the country back up then we will say so so you're not just flexing your big doctor muscles oh, all right no i don't have any of those <laughs> <laughs> all right well i guess um i mean there's a million more questions but we yeah we don't wanna, can we, we do don't... this again if necessary there's, yeah if there's enough interest if people have other questions i mean there's this this is going to be around for a while, like yeah. I said, and, and there's going to be more things that pop up. Yeah. And there might be new information. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're open to it, yeah, absolutely. Maybe in a few weeks we could sit down and do this again, yeah. tackle yeah. some new questions. But I think a big question from us is since we're primarily a like pop culture entertainment podcast, what are you doing when you get home from work? Like, how do you turn your, your brain off? What are you doing to entertain yourself and keep your mind off of everything outside? Yeah, well, you know, I I I definitely try to enjoy time with uh, Casey, my wife, and uh, our baby Lily, um, who's six months now. And um, but we, you know, we we'll watch. Uh, <laughs> oh, what what can you do? Are you watching TV? We just started uh, Tales from the Loop. It's a it's pretty cool. Uh, it's a an awesome series. Um, you know, we yeah, we're we're just kind of as things get released online, I guess, uh, she finished the, I didn't actually watch that Tiger King thing. I was just joking. I did. <laughs> I was going to say, I, yeah, I was no. gonna say we forgot the most important question. Yeah. Carol Baskin killed her husband, right? But that's what I've heard. I mean, that's what my, that's what Casey says. And I, I totally believe everything she says. So if she says she killed, she killed You're him. Then she killed him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, and then I'm kind of stoked for all these uh, these movies that have been coming out, um, so that you can watch at the comfort of your own home. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like Trolls: The World Tour. Yeah, I've that's watched the, Onward. That's a the big times. one you've been looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> no, we actually watched the we watched Onward was was really good. Um, yeah, I liked Onward a lot. Um, almost made me cry a little bit thinking about um, you know my brother and stuff, but also uh, the Hunt. The Hunt was good. Well, I want to thank uh, the people who asked questions. Uh, Miss DK, Doug Bayshore, Maria Perez, Priscilla, uh, Priscilla, <laughs> uh, my dad, Mark Valentine, Andy Ortiz, April Mauser, Josh Brimhall, and uh, the people who sent in messages. And Danny, I'd like to thank you very much for taking your time uh thank your wife for us too for for bothering you and taking you away from her <laughs> yeah no i i it was i'm happy to be here um yeah we should do it again if, if people are interested and uh, yeah absolutely I miss you guys i really do i, I miss you too I, yeah we should have a, a game night sometime yeah we absolutely. should but if this ends i'm never using like video messenger ever again <laughs> i'm so surprised we didn't get <laughs> zoom bombed what, what what i was waiting for that what's I'll zoom just, bombed? just wait until we stop recording and you'll whip it out <laughs> oh okay yeah yeah you guys want to see my butthole it says uh c and then my butthole and then uh 
um, VID. <laughs> I got it. I got it. COVID. Where's the 19? You You're assuming the 19. yours is perfectly. That's my cool. cock and balls. <laughs> Remember I said I was going to be good on this, so that way we can post it and people can listen to it with their family. You're going to have to bleep all this out. I only expected <laughs> about an hour out of you, so we're good. I only said shit once. Well, twice now. All right, folks. <laughs> Until next time. Thank you, Danny. <laughs>